This is the How to Become a Career Coach podcast, the largest podcast for up-and-coming career coaches in the world, and is dedicated to helping people that are in the early stages of becoming a career coach. I'm your host, Philip Mianko, and in this show, we bring practical advice based on real experiences, and we share actual stories of people that are current career coaches. So, let's get started. All right, everybody, welcome back to the How to Become a Career Coach podcast. I, I've been excited for this podcast recording for a long time, and, and it's, it's been happening way more before I started hosting this podcast. And actually, I've been following this guest who we have on today for, I don't know, definitely probably more than five years, probably more than seven years, someplace in that space. But she's very much one of these individuals who is just at the forefront, in, in my opinion, of this space. And so today I want to welcome on Jenny Voss. She's a career strategist, resume writer, recruiter, and founder of the blog that I, and the very popular blog that I found of jobjenny.com. So Jenny, thanks so much for coming on to the podcast. Oh my gosh. I'm glad to finally be here. I know we had a few reschedules, so <laughs> it's so nice to, to finally connect in and be a part of the show. Yeah. And I might be meeting you for the first time or maybe hasn't heard of you. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. Like you said, I am a job search strategist, a career consultant, and the voice behind jobjenny.com, which is a blog and a resource for people who are either needing to find a new job or considering a career transition. Um, I also have been a recruiter for the last, oh gosh, 15 years plus, and I am a certified professional resume writer. So I've got kind of a little bit of everything all blended in, which actually serves me well in terms of what I do professionally today. That's awesome. And before we hit the record button, I shared a little bit about my experience and also coming from the world of recruiting. And I find a lot of our listeners, but more so the people who are wanting to get into the coaching or have a background in HR or recruiting because they just see a lot of those spaces. But doing a little bit of research on you, I uh, also saw that you came from like a writing and journalism background and had your own recruiting business. So I guess for you, my, my question would be, what prompted you to start your own business, but start your own coaching and resume writing services and the blog. Yeah, well, I'm kind of the example of the person who doesn't really take a straight line path in in her career or really in life. My mom used to call me her unicorn, which actually drove me nuts when I was a kid because I thought it was like offensive. But <laughs> I don't no, look I, like a unicorn. I am very proud to be a unicorn and it's 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 been great. But yes, I did go to school and begin my career as a journalist. I have always loved writing. I've always been particularly good at it. And um, then over time, I evolved my career into PR, as a lot of journalists do, and ultimately into marketing and marketing communications. And I was on a career trajectory that just didn't suit me. I, I was a director of communications um, for a global company. I looked at the job of, you know, the person one and two rungs above me. And I thought, you know what? 
I don't want your job. And so that like kind of just threw me into a bit of a tailspin because here I am, you know, all systems go forward Mm -hmm. and suddenly I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, what do I do? Well, as it happens, the last job I held, you know, in corporate communications, marketing, we had a recruiting agency that supported our company. It was a small one. And one of the principals would always be coming through the office and he'd stop at my office and be like, when are you going to come and work for us? You'd be such a good recruiter. When, when? And and forever, I just thought it was a joke. Like, ha, 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 get out of my office. And finally, I got to a spot where I just was really not feeling fulfilled in my job. Hmm. And I think I had a particularly frustrating day and decided, you know what, I'm just going to call him. His name was Michael. I'm going to call Michael and just see, you know, what's this all about? Well, what it ended up being all about was me resigning from my job, joining this recruiting agency. Again, it was like a small boutique agency, like 10, 15 people. And taking a $50,000 pay cut, by the way, that was a little scary. Yeah. But I really wanted to challenge myself and see, you know, what I could make out of this new career. It's very rare that you have an opportunity that someone is going to pay you a salary plus commission to learn something entirely new. Mm -hmm. And I love learning. So I thought, you know, what the heck? I'm going for it. And people all around me thought I was nuts. Turns out I was good at it. And then a couple of years in, I was expecting my daughter. And I was really starting to worry about my ability to be a good mom and report daily to this job, right? And it's a very metrics-driven business, so I was constantly catching up on logging all of my activity, and it it just felt very stressful to me. And so I first negotiated uh, an arrangement with my employer to work a couple of days at home. But shortly after that, the partner that had brought me into the business, he decided to divest his shares, and he moved. He moved to New York City. I kind of looked around at that time and thought, I actually know kind of all the jobs in a recruiting agency and and how to do them. (laughs) So I thought, why not cut out the middleman and I can do this from home. So this is where family members really started to think I was losing it. This is where your mom was like, hey, you were going down unicorn territory, like hardcore. Well, we're going to throw in too, um, not to to get too far into my my checkered past, but (laughs) I was a single mom of a baby. So, I mean, it was all me. So I took out a home equity line of credit that would last me six months. Like I could live for six months without making a dime professionally. And I told myself, if you can't make this work in six months, you got to go back to your day job. Wow. And so it was terrifying. Three months later, I closed my first deal and, and kind of the rest was history in terms of my recruiting work. So now... Now you want to talk about, so how does this coaching part weave in? Because recruiting, you're serving a corporate client, at least Mm -hmm. I was, and coaching, you're serving the individual professional, the job seeker or the, the, the career pivoter. 
So it's kind of a different dynamic. When the economy fell apart in 2008, 2009, I was in Detroit at the time. That's where I am from. And I started getting all these panicked calls and emails from people because they just knew I was a recruiter. So naturally I would have, you know, this treasure chest of advice and jobs for them. <laughs> and, you know, my heart really went out to them. And I'm, I'm so much a person that just wants to help everyone and get them unstuck and calm them down. But I'm a single mom with now a toddler, and if I'm not closing deals as a recruiter, I'm, I'm not making an income. Mm -hmm. And so I thought to myself, you know what, wouldn't it be great if I could create just this place where people could come and go and get information and advice and motivation and, oh, by the way, if somebody wants me to write a resume, I can throw up a service or throw up a consulting hour. And so really... JobJenny.com was almost an accidental business. I'm almost embarrassed to tell you this. It was like an accidental business. But I quickly realized that I really enjoyed that one-on-one -on -one coaching more so than the, the corporate recruiting. And within a few years, my revenue for JobJenny.com surpassed the revenue for my recruiting agency, which gave me kind of that mental permission to, to prioritize the growth of, of jobjenny.com. So today I do very little recruiting. Um, most of my work is doing the, the candidate facing work as a coach and as a consultant. Thank you very, very much for, for sharing all that story because that was a long answer. <laughs> no, no, no. Cause uh, one of the reasons I love to bring people onto this podcast and for our listeners is that, is that there's so many different ways to do it. There, it, like you mentioned, it's, it's a squiggly path. There's no straight path. And for everybody, it's different. But just hearing you talk about it, and you mentioned like the six months of uh, home equity and taking credit out at that point, probably you had to do things that were very, very different during that time, like bootstrapping, I imagine. Oh, it was go time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and hearing what it actually takes during, during those, those times, but also... One thing that I wanted to ask you about more so is I know people can't, can't see us talking about, it, but we're kind of putting our hands up and going like leveling things out between the coaching business itself and then the recruiting business and kind of making that transition one to the other. And right. often when I'm talking to new coaches or our listeners, you're not usually stopping everything and then going 100% to coaching business. In all reality, it looks like you're do it, balancing one thing till it gets to the other thing. So when did you, if you could help us understand a little bit more of what did that transition look like for you? And when did you know that it was the right time to make that transition from recruiting business over to coaching business? Well, I will say it's, it wasn't a, an easy or simple transition. So, it, you know, I don't want to be discouraging in any way because it was doable, but balancing the recruiting business and the demands and kind of the known, even though of course in recruiting, it's not like a known income, but you know, it was fairly consistent, predictable, larger chunks of, of revenue that would come in. But really knowing my heart was in this, you know, one-on-one -on -one work. So, and then, then you have the challenge of, Think about this. How do you manage your professional brand, say on LinkedIn, where you're not going to have two LinkedIn profiles? So mm -hmm. I'm 
Jennifer Foss, the corporate recruiter, and I'm Jenny Foss of JobJenny.com. So it's like two different personas, which by the way, Job Jenny, Jenny Foss is much more like authentic <laughs> to who I am, which is great. Yeah. Um, but I know how to play the Jennifer Foss, you know, in the corporate boardroom. I can hear your voice changes too when you, yeah, talk, totally. when you move between each character. I think it really was a few years in, and I was starting to really get worn out from trying to do both justice. Mm-hmm. And I think it was 2013 where the revenue of jobjenny.com for the first time surpassed the revenue of my recruiting agency. And that's when I kind of allowed myself to, to get serious about, okay, this is actually a business. And so rather than the, you know, normal strategic person who creates a business plan in advance and, you know, kind of gets your ducks in the row, I had already, you know, let the, the horse out of the stable. And, and, and then I needed to, to build some strategy and, you know, really thoughtful parameters around the business. And that's what I did. For you, especially in those early stages, what were some of the biggest struggles you had at that time? Or, you know, for our listeners who are just thinking about starting a coaching business or in the first one to two years, where do you see people struggle the most or make the most mistakes? And so I'm just wanting to dive in into your expertise, especially in this space. Yeah. Well, I'm a great person to ask this question because I've made a number of those mistakes. (laughs) I think a big one is, so what you don't often understand as a career coach in advance is that the emotional drain is is not insignificant. You know, if you are a psychologist, for instance, you actually get schooling and training around what we'll call caretaker syndrome. You know, you you have to take time off. You are encouraged to do these self-care things that will keep you from getting burned out. Well, there are no credentials required to be a career coach. So, you know, tomorrow anyone could stick out an open for business sign and be one. But even under the best of circumstances, people who have decided to make an investment in career coaching, you know, there's a certain level of stress and uncertainty with them. And in some people, there's a significant level of stress. And so I'm very fortunate that I'm someone who can shoulder that and help people through that. But what I didn't realize early on is that that if you're not mindful of your boundaries and making sure you take time to decompress and and take good care of yourself, that can be very debilitating. And I kind of learned that the hard way. I was very near burnout a handful of years ago. And I'm having eye problems because of the computer strain on my eyes. That was kind of a lesson learned. Um, Another thing I think is very common for newer coaching professionals is, number one, to undervalue your expertise and charge not enough. And that can lead to, you know, a disappointing salary or, or revenue, 
But also, you're going to be viewed differently if you're like the bargain basement coach. Now, I will say there's plenty of opportunity to offer like intro pricing or, you know, promo code pricing if you feel that you need to do that early on. But setting the bar a little higher and then offering kind of sales or promos is a lot easier and, and frankly, I think a better strategy than setting it too low and then you know, having to like, oh, I've raised my price. Oh, I raised my price. Oh, I raised my price. Now, I, I'm not saying that you can't and shouldn't raise your prices as you go, but it's, it's, you, it's easier to establish credibility and, you know, value if, if, you're, if you're not selling yourself short. And then I think the last mistake I think is very common is when you run a one-to-one services business, you reach invariably you're going to reach a, a wall, a brick wall, where you cannot grow your revenue any further unless you do one of a few things. Number one is, again, raise your prices. Number two is add bodies, more coaches. And number three would be add more um, one-to-many types of offerings for people, whether that's a course that you make once and then it's available, whether that's an ebook, maybe you do larger workshops or speaking events so that more people are, are being able to partake in your expertise at once than the one-to-one model allows. And I am still a work in progress with this one, but I'm, I'm learning. <laughs> That one can be very difficult to navigate of when to bring on the right people, how to that one to many of what serves, what's actually going to serve the clients the best and really get them to those, those findings, helping them find meaningful work. And, and are you putting, bringing on the right types of people, all those, those challenges that internally happen in your careers, the things that we're facing right now. And I imagine just like both these businesses, we'll be facing more so in the future too, but that on the side kind of going back to the three things you said, this is exactly why I wanted you to come on this podcast so much because- <laughs> like, Tell us all the dumb things you've done, Jenny. <laughs> well, it, it, it's for somebody who's been doing this since, had this business since 2013, but more so is that, like I said, I've known you for a long time and this is the first time we're meeting and I'm sure a lot of our listeners are familiar with the Jenny Voss brand and, and jobjenny.com and, and seeing you out there. And so I think- be able to bring that expertise, but that experience in here helps our listeners out so much, helps me out a ton. I was just writing them down as, as you're talking, but it's something that I don't hear on this podcast often is that that emotional pain, but that caretaker syndrome, I think is so important. Mostly because as you mentioned, as coaches, we're not trained for these spaces, but two, we're in a position as coaches ourselves is that we are wanting to help out people so much that often we can drain ourselves. And for myself, I don't often realize it till it's about too late where I forgot to eat lunch that day. And I'm really just not that pleasant to be around. Yep. yep. Or, I'm and sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Nope, you got it. And it's important to realize again, that when people are stressed, when you, they could be running out of money, they could have a spouse who is just in a total panic all over them every day. Mm -hmm. They could be feeling really depressed and down about their situation. When people are feeling like that, 
they're not thinking, oh, I need to be mindful of Jenny's time necessarily. I mean, certainly plenty are, but Mm -hmm. they're thinking, I need as much that she will give me as fast as I can get it from her. And they're not thinking about what that, they don't know you have 20 other clients at the same time, right? They don't know that, you know, they're, and that's good. They shouldn't know that they should be feeling like you're their person, but that can be incredibly draining over time if you're not aware of it and, and taking proactive steps to, to offset that. Well, and if you couple it with the second thing you mentioned too, if, if you're doing all that stuff and your prices are too low and you're also not making money or not making as, money, as much money as you should at that time, coupling both those things together, yeah. It's going to be pretty unfun pretty quickly. I guess on that note too, because I want to come back to, the, to that growth piece um, in a little bit, but what do you advise if someone was just setting their prices right now? Like what's one action piece that they could, they could do to like go, all right, I've got, if I'm going to start setting my prices for my coaching business, this is the one thing I'm going to do. Come on. Do I have to pick just one? One oh, really important thing is- You can pick more than one. <laughs> Identify your ideal audience. Who am I best equipped to serve? And how do I reach them? And is that audience that I'm best equipped to serve, is that an audience that would typically have a financial comfort level to be able to afford your offerings? So for instance, if you're like, I'm going to specialize in college students. Okay, great. But understand that most college students, you know, can barely afford their pizza for the week versus, you know, no less your, you know, $200 an hour coaching. And so if you decide that that is really your sweet spot, then I think you're best served by marketing to their parents, their loved ones, rather than than trying to market to the individual college students. So that's a really big thing is understanding the market that you're trying to serve. I've been doing LinkedIn learning courses for I think about three years now. And by the way, I didn't mean to totally dodge the pricing question. I I kind of went tangential to it. And I do want to just say is understand who you're serving and make some predictions about where they are likely going to be economically or what their money mindset is going to be. Because sometimes, you know, we're economically okay, but we're convinced we're going broke and we're going to spend in a different way. Yeah. As for the LinkedIn learning courses, I was really fortunate to have worked with a LinkedIn learning product manager in, you know, prior years. And she remembered working with me. LinkedIn was getting very focused on uh, career growth, job search. And she contacted me and asked if I might be interested in doing a project with them. And, And that was a special project for their LinkedIn premium team. But then through that project, I was introduced to LinkedIn Learning because we did the filming of this project with the LinkedIn Learning production crew, who are amazing, by the way, really great, talented people. So 
I realized how much I enjoyed that um, kind of way of helping and supporting people. You know, it just kind of snowballed. The courses that I produced with them have done well, gotten good feedback, and, um, you know, it's been a really game, a, a relative game changer in the growth of, of this business. Absolutely. They, when I was looking at them and checking them out, they just look absolutely amazing. You look great in them, and they just, all the content looks great too. And I, I don't know, I, I very much feel that. One of the things that as we get more, especially during this COVID time into how we're training and teaching and coaching people over time, it's so much going to be, I mean, this online learning space, of course, has been bigger for a longer time and, and more recently, but I feel us as coaches, we need to begin to diversify, but also be looking ahead and looking to the future for where those opportunities lie. Absolutely, yes. I mean, this year has shown us that, you know, nothing is certain, right? Things Mm -hmm. are going to change and evolve out of necessity, as, Mm -hmm. you know, as this year has proven. You know, the nice thing is, and funny part about COVID, where we're all working from home, I hope you are all enjoying the uh, some kind of lawn equipment going on outside (laughs) here. It's not my house, but if it were, I could control it. But, you know, something that's really kind of exciting about this year, which is, I know, you know, nothing is exciting about this year, but the way that we're all realizing how technology can not just keep us going, you know, professionally and economically, but the ways that we always just assumed you have to do business, you know, that just got cut to the ground. You know, that was like a flamethrower came through in 2020. And I think it's really exciting in terms of potential for, you know, like let's use coaching, for example. Some people think, Oh, I got to coach with people face to face because that's what people want. I haven't done a face to face consult in, you know, seven months. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't always do face to face, but if somebody here, I'm in Portland, Oregon, if somebody has a strong preference for that, I will arrange for that as an option. But, you know, it just opens up so much more potential for coaching. You know, I have a, just finished up with a client in Dubai. I have a client in the UK right now. I mean, you, you can have clients everywhere. Yeah. Thank you, technology. <laughs> it's thank you, technology. But I feel very much, I don't know, share the same thought, but I know we've had a couple of guests on and we talked and chatted on this very podcast about becoming more than just coaches ourselves. And that really going forward, that it's so much about what are we really, what's the space that we're needing to like serve and the people we're looking to serve and becoming more than just that. And not yeah. only just coaching people, but creating content around there, whether it be podcasts, online courses, books, meeting more people where they're, they're at. And just from my experience, looking and following you all these years, I feel like you are one of those people in the space who's been doing that, but is doing that very, very well. Thank you. And, in multiple different places, of course. And it just shows how if you're looking to grow, and I feel like if you're looking to expand, and for our listeners in those latter stages, that it's so much more about than just doing one-on-one coaching or one types of things. That's important to start off with. And that's what I emphasize very, very much so is like, you don't have to do everything all at once now, 
But as you get further along or as our listeners are getting further along in their businesses, start thinking about what the future is going to hold or where you could be looking to better serve your target market, but more so people in the future too. Yeah. And more comprehensively serve your, your people. So, I mean, we happen to do coaching, resume writing, LinkedIn mm-hmm. makeovers, interview prep. I mean, we do a lot, but there are a lot of coaches that don't want to do that kind of more turnkey thing or don't have the expertise to or the time, but people will still want that, some of those things. And mm-hmm. so if you're not planning to or currently providing some of those things, so say you're doing coaching but not resume writing, I think a big miss for some coaches is why are you not partnering with a recruit or a resume writing business so that you can have like a a referral arrangement where if you refer business over to X resume writing company, they will give you a a 10 or 15% commission for that referral. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just a no brainer. So that not only allows you to extend the value of your offerings, but certainly another means to, to grow your revenue. It's, it's funny because I um, thank you so much for sharing that because it brings up a really interesting point, which I say very much on this podcast. It's there's coaches and there's business leaders. And sometimes those can be the same and sometimes those are different. But kind of putting on the business hat, you have to think about where are the, if we're wanting to make this a full-time gig or, or we have to support lots of different people in our lives or whatever that might be, it's always thinking about where are those opportunities going to lie and they might not always just be with you. They Correct. could be within a team and they could be with doing a one-to-many type of opportunity or that might be bringing somebody on in some sort of capacity, however that might fit in that business at that time and really making those calls along the way too. That kind of brings up a question I, I had for you in making this transition, but more so growing your business this over time. For our listeners, they know this is one of my favorite questions I, I love to ask, which is what are the sacrifices that you've had to make? Or instead of using sacrifices, I've had one of my listeners or one of the guests on here say takeaways, but what's one of the biggest sacrifices or takeaways that you've made in growing and starting your coaching and resume and, and speaking and writing service? I've worked a lot of hours over the last decade, <laughs> getting better, getting better. Yeah. Uh, but in the early years, woo-wee, it was aggressive. And so what I have learned over time from a one-on-one standpoint is we have an interesting business model. So I've never been interested in having a big team. I don't want to be known as some kind of resume mill or anything like that. So mm-hmm. we've kept the team tight and we bring in only a limited number of clients every month. And when we're sold out for the month, we're out. I mean, we're out for the month. And we then start referring people to other partners that we know and trust, which, which brings you back to the referral relationship um, yeah. topic. And then we reset our um, inventory, if you will, early in the morning on the first business day of every month. And we've been extremely fortunate that we sell out every single month, sometimes in a matter of minutes, certainly usually on that first day or the first couple of days. 
So what I've learned is you cannot take everyone in because you're going to kill yourself and your team members, number one, but also you're going to not be effective in giving each customer your absolute best. And that's not a reputation that you want to have. So I think that's something that's incredibly important. And certainly the sacrifice answer is, you know, it took me a while to figure that out. So I sacrificed a lot of sleep. You know, I would say I sacrificed family time, but but the one nice thing about what I do is, you know, I, I've always either worked from home or while my daughter was in elementary school, my I had a little office. This is almost weird. It was right next door, literally next door to her elementary school. So I could look out my office window and see them playing in the playground. They'd come to the fence and wave to me. I mean, I was just like that mom. But, you know, if I hadn't had that flexibility or or ability to choose that location, you know, I would have spent less time with my family across those years. It's interesting because I were tying back one of the things you, you mentioned about you know, limiting the number of people that you're working with per month. And I'm sure that, that, you know, that bleeds over to how much sleep that you get, how much time you get to spend (laughs) um, and all those types of things too. And I think that's such an interesting concept because like we were mentioning before with the caretaker syndrome, meaning that you just want to help as many people that you can, and you, you can drive yourself all the way to just being completely burnt out and almost not doing the thing that you set out to do limiting that that number and going, hey, here's the boundary of how many people we are working with per month. And after that time, it's done. And then we'll say it, move you to other places. And I think that anything that I'm taking away from this conversation, we could dive into so many different areas too. But for today, that that boundary setting thing is is incredibly important, not only just for yourself, for the people that you have in, in your life, but there can also be a lot of other opportunities that you get with it too. Because I'm sure you've also created a lot of relationships from this too in your business, but also different revenue streams and, and different op- like product lines or, or, or yeah, lines absolutely. Like yeah. And again, by limiting the number that come in on any given month, it does in many months, not every month, it does afford me some time and space to create those things that are going to reach the one to many, you know, whether that's the, yeah. the content for my next LinkedIn learning course or another ebook, or plotting out a workshop. If I just let every old person that you know has heard about us and wants to work one-on-one with us in, I would not have a minute of that time, not a minute of mm. it. And so I know for people just getting started, that's you know probably not you know at the top of your mind. You know most people getting started, they're not going to have you know sell out audience right away. But it's if you're good at what you do and you start getting referral clients, which has been a big fueler of our business growth. Mm-hmm. You got to think about that in advance of how am I going to accommodate that? You know, do I raise my prices? Yes, you do. Do I bring in more people? Maybe you do. Do I limit the number of packages that we sell each month? And that's what I've chosen to do. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing that. I think it's a message that I frankly don't think you hear too often in this space. I think it's so much of do more, grow more, go, 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 go. And 
I think very much of this almost set those limiting constraints of what this business needs to be and where you can take it. So you can be able to have that time to create, spend this time with family and all these types of things that then allows you to be able to do this for years and years and years. And I yes. feel like as we're talking about growth, but more so growth as as a coach and, and, your, and the business itself, it's somewhat counterintuitive in the back of my head of like, oh, wait, we need to limit things early on. So thanks so much for coming on and sharing that. One Again, one of the reasons I want to bring you, bring you on is to share this, this knowledge that isn't out there. So again, Thanks very much. Well, I appreciate it. And and I would have loved this input early in my trajectory with jobjenny.com because yeah, you're right. It's I mean, if you really 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 dig, you can find some articles about, you know, the the challenge of scaling a one-to-one business. What I have found has not yet been specific to career coaching. Mm-hmm. So, hopefully this is helpful. <laughs> Learn from all well, the things I did wrong. <laughs> We've got the tattoos for mistakes on our shoulders here. That's kind of my, my final question to you is going back the years and the months it takes or it took to grow, grow your business, um, going back and taking the lessons that you know now back then, what would you have, knowing all these things now, what would you have done differently? And we touched on some of those pieces, but what would you have done differently back or knowing what you know now? back then? Sure. Yes. I would have had more confidence that what I have to offer or what I had to offer back then is unique and of genuine value to job seekers and people going through career transitions. I would have started my prices higher. I would have thought more on the front end about who that ideal client is who are they? Where are they at in their career? How am I going to reach them? What is their likely economic ability to make this investment? Um, we have found over time that our very favorite clients are those that are like the, I'll call them the proactive climbers. They are people who are not necessarily laid off or, or miserable, but they're thinking ahead. Like, I'm here, which is okay, but I really want to take a run at this. And so I need to really start thinking about how do I position myself for that next opportunity? That's my favorite client. And so we've, we've structured our offerings and our messaging toward that client. And, and I mean, just over time, that's, that's a lot of who we work with. It, it doesn't mean we won't work and don't work with people who are unemployed. Of course we do. But really thinking about that in advance would have been helpful, I think. And then the, the big piece about what other than one-to-one services can I offer that will allow me to bring something of genuine value to a larger pool of people. And this is what drives me nuts with some one-to-many providers is they're just throwing, you know, crap out there in an ebook and whatever, and then marketing the heck out of it. This Mm -hmm. is not an audience that, you know, as a career coach, I hope everybody believes this. We do not have the, the right or the privilege of taking advantage of this group of people. This group of people needs help. Sometimes the stakes are very high for them to sort this out. I operate always with the, the, you know, unbending commitment to giving people my absolute best, whether that's one-on-one or 
through whatever those products are that we're providing. So I would have thought about that well in advance of when I did. <laughs> it's a, uh, internally it happened in your career. We talk about earning the opportunity to work with these individuals because it's very much that you are earning the opportunity. And that also means making sure that you are treating yourself and your, your businesses. And I wish we would touch on it a little bit more. We'll maybe have to come back and touch on that at, an, at another time, but that confidence sure. piece too, but having the confidence in the offerings that you're having, that those things are at the, in the best position to serve the people that you're looking to serve, because this business is an incredibly personal business. That's your, these people are trusting you with something that is very important to them, yes. their careers and also their lives which touch so many different pieces, but they're also putting the, that same trust in you to get them those results that you both agreed on at the beginning or, or whatever that might yes. be. Spend a lot more time on that piece than on your darn SEO because we've all seen the providers that are the opposite and mm -hmm. they're not going to last. You know, they might be tricking the system now, but they're not going to have the lasting power. And you as a professional are not going to have the fulfillment that you will if, if you put the, the client and the purpose first without having shame in making a nice living in, in the space you're in. Um, but absolutely understanding why you're in this and, and what you need to do on behalf of the people that make this investment. Yeah. And that it's, it's so important for you to be, to be, uh, knowing all the, like you mentioned, knowing all these things going back then about making sure that you are charging what you're worth, that you are in a position to, to give everything that you have or give as much as you can to that, that client on that one time, because that's what they're expecting. And thank you so much for, for coming on and sharing that, but thanks so much for just sharing with our listeners what it takes, but the mistakes, I think often that's, that's what I always as I'm listening to podcasts, that's what I want to hear, the mistakes that, that people go through, but just your journey and everything that it takes to create a business that I've been following for a long time. So first, thank you for coming on and sharing all those pieces. But one of the things I'm taking away from, from again, from this conversation is just that importance that we have in this space and what we need to do as coaches and business professionals to make sure that we are creating long lasting businesses to serve the people that we are meant to be serving. So yes, thank you very yes. much. We are here. We have the power to transform lives and I am not, you know, exaggerating. And mm -hmm. so figure out where you fit in that equation and whose lives you can most directly and positively impact. Go there. Just don't charge too little. <laughs> thank you for having me on. <laughs> of course. That's, I couldn't think of a better spot to end. So just before I let you go, where can people find out more about you or contact you? Yes. Well, obviously you can head over to jobjenny.com. I'm also jobjenny on Twitter and you'll find me on Instagram. And for those who are LinkedIn premium members, you have access to the entire LinkedIn learning library of courses. And we just launched one yesterday. So I think I'm up to like nine or 10 short form video tutorials across a lot of aspects of job search. Awesome. Well, definitely go check out those LinkedIn learnings. Those I got a chance to check them out and they were amazing. But oh, thank you. yeah, they do such a great job. The production crew is incredible. <laughs>
shout out to them. But again, Jenny, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I very, very much appreciate it. And for all of our listeners today, thanks so much for listening and we'll check you out on the next episode. Adios. I hope you enjoyed that episode of the How to Become a Career Coach podcast. For more information, check out becomeacareercoach.com where you can find information on this podcast, our programs, books, and endless content on, well, how to become a career coach. Also, don't be shy. If you have any questions or kind words, we'd love to hear from you. And you can reach me directly at philip at happentoyourcareer.com. And that's Philip with two L's. So thanks for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.